Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply go ham on those <laughs> eggs oh, away we go Yeesh. Hooray. Quiche. Did you just say quiche? No, I said yeesh, but I should say oh. quiche. <laughs> that would have been so good if you said quiche. I'm not that it's okay. funny. You will be. I don't know. <laughs> um, right, let's get started. Who's going? It's me. Right. Will somebody get us another drink? Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Tommy. And this is the only musical theatre podcast with barroom brawls. And orchestra stalls. Here, we take apart your favourite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theatre conversation. Hey, Tommy, what are you drinking today? Uh, it's uh, variations on a uh, cup of coffee. Sometimes I put the sugar in first. And then add the coffee over top. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's drip coffee. Sometimes mm. I'd I'd go for tea instead if I'm like screw coffee. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, sometimes being roast Ecuador. Sometimes I just invite Stephen Sondheim over to you know uh, grind some coffee beans for me. I did that the other week actually. He was such good chat. It was so nice, so so good. Excellent. That sounds delicious. Um, I'm I'm confused, Tommy. Enlighten me. I will. Enlighten via a quiz question in our archaic mm. and difficult <laughs> manner in which we disclose the title of the music. Right. About. Um, Seamless. The quote definitive version of this infinitely revised operetta premiered in Glasgow in 1988. It has since been revised multiple times. What show could it possibly be, Jimmy? <gasps> it is Condeed.
Khan can who can, knows who knows <laughs> um yes hey glasgow thank you for saying glasgow and not glasgow it's entirely by accident every time i do it right <laughs> it is it's the eternal moscow moscow glasgow <laughs> glasgow it's not a glasgow it is a a glasgow um yeah i mean Candide. Where do you start? <laughs> Literally. So intimidated. So so intimidated by this, it's taken us three months. To... Well, people, I mean, so many people have written entire, like, you know, a hundred page dissertations about this show. Yeah, exactly. And here we are saying that we're even going to be able to scratch the surface. Absolutely. Um, I think I want to say just off the, the bat, um, we want to give a shout out to Mr. Colden Lamb. Oh, thank you. Who basically wrote a PhD in our email inbox about Candide. Yes. And it was very helpful. In the, um, he, certainly pointing us. He gave us a, a, a meta analysis, which is something I've learned about in the medical world, where you like gather up the hundred papers about a thing and do an, an analysis on the papers. Yeah, it's like a lit review. It's like a lit review. Um, yeah, that's probably he did a lit review on Candide for us, which was lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, it was very comprehensive. We're very, very grateful for that. Sorry, it's taken us three months, but there was a lot to get through, to be honest. That's there was true. A, like, 100-page essay, so... <laughs> You know, and the, the work, guys. The book itself is so long. It took me so long to get through. I know, literally. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's like, what, 20 words? I feel like the, the list of songs that are in the musical is actually slightly longer than the original novella. So. Isn't that, well, well, we'll get to it. But that's how they, inter- the 2001 Lincoln Center, the uh, narrator says like, uh, Voltaire's Candide is a, uh, a short little pamphlet where there's absolutely no singing. Bernstein's Candide is a long operetta where everyone practically insists upon it. Yes, that is a beautiful, beautiful way of putting it. Um, okay, let's beat around the bush. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Where so did it all begin? Candide premiered on Broadway um, in 1956. Uh, it, didn't have, it had pretty bad reviews, um, only played for 73 performances. That version mm. was by Leonard Bernstein and Lillian Hellman um, and Richard Wilbur. Um, mostly. All mm-hmm. said and done, the show has music by Leonard Bernstein, lyrics by Richard Wilbur, John Latouche, Dorothy Parker, Lillian Hellman, Stephen Sondheim, <laughs> and Leonard Bernstein, and then has a book by Lillian Hellman and or Hugh Wheeler, depending yeah, I love, upon I love how you and cut or. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so this, th- there are so many versions of this. We can't just be like, this was the Broadway opening and then this was the revival and there you go. Um, the or- Like we said, the original Hellman version um, now no longer exists. Yeah. Um, lost, then, lost to time. Yeah. The most, the next kind of notable one, which is actually a good place to start if you're completely new to Candide, uh, is called the Chelsea version mm-hmm. uh, from 1973. Uh, and it has a red cover on spotify um, <laughs> and it's quite good because it gives you it, it, it gives you the book in between the songs yes um, to help you kind of make sense of what the hell is going on um and that's the one with we, the new book by hugh wheeler yes indeed oh um and then uh we had the what's called the opera house version which was uh directed by hal prince as well yep. um which features some more songs because yes. why not there why weren't not? enough an opera company. Then we move on to what is called, uh, per our quiz question, the definitive version um, in 1988. Uh, it's the reason it exists is because Lillian Hellman died and the parts of her script that she didn't want back in the show could be put back in the show. 
Exactly. Um, and uh, I think Leonard Bernstein was really inspired by it. It was a Scottish opera production. He was really inspired by that. And he was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write the final version. And then we had another one. And then we revise it again. There's a revised opera house version that came out in 94 that adds the Sondheim and Latouche lyrics. That version was built upon for a 1997 <clears throat> Broadway version. Um, then it was revised again for the Royal National Theater in 99. And, and then the, it all starts to, then it starts to fall apart. Um, exactly. You know, and this... then you can expect that, that we're saying the Jim and Tomic version, right. um, which will be launching shortly after this podcast is released. Um, exactly. It's exclusively on Zoom. <laughs> and uh, it will be really good, I think. Really groundbreaking. I, so. I think it's really, and it, it, it is very representative of the time we're in today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, there are things to be know, said there that I'm I, sure we will say. I said that jokingly, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, can you give us a brief summary about what happens? Oh, How man. How brief could you be? Um, Candide uh, lives in a, a, a fictional Austrian town, Westphalia, um, mm-hmm. a, a bastard son taken in by a royal family um, under the tutelage of Dr. Pangloss. Uh, whose uh, uh, thesis is that everything is for the best in this best of all possible worlds. Candide mm-hmm. is the optimist. Things must be for the best. Um, and then, of course, is beset upon by untold horrors. Um, but, you know, it is, the town is pillaged. He's, you know, Pangloss is beset upon by the plague. Uh, uh, Cunegonde, his uh, not-quite-betrothed, um, is... Uh, you know, raped repeatedly across the course of the show, all very tongue in cheek. Everyone dies about six times throughout the yeah. course of the show. Um, and it, it is based on Voltaire's novel, a discussion of is a, a satire of mm-hmm. unwavering optimism, saying yes. that, you know, it is such a ridiculous thing to believe that everything happens for a reason and then exploring exactly. some of some of the philosophical implications of that um in song yeah and it is it's deeply rooted in philosophy yeah um and again more on that story uh later but should we, we dive dive on in into the world of candy of how did we get here <laughs> exactly <laughs> His life is absolute perfection, as is true of my compassion. Every time I look and see me, I'm reminded life is dreamy. Although I do get tired being endlessly at night, and people will go on about me, how could they go on without me? But something that is vicious, why should they be so delicious? Is a heavy duty to protect my awesome beauty. I have almost no objection. I am everything I need. Life is happiness, indeed. I mean, it is so strange because I'm like. Where do we actually begin? <laughs> right? Well, because this show, what, is... Uh, this show is 54 years old um, yep. and has had maybe as many revisions across the course of history. Um, as years. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. You know, this is a show that everyone agrees could be good and agrees hasn't been good when they've seen it. <laughs> yeah, that's a... 
again, a really beautiful way of putting it. I feel like all discussions about it, whether it's an essay, whether it's a full-length thesis, yeah. that's the kind of crux of it. It's always a discussion that, of like what Candide could be. Yeah, it's always like it was almost there, but... Um, and I find that utterly fascinating yeah. because what's stopping it right well and you go back to so the the explicit history you know in 1956 it premiered the the hellman and bernstein version he started bernstein started working on it before west side story um mm -hmm. or this is right around that time um and the if you read the it's hard to unpack but lillian hellman was blamed for the poor reception of the initial production. Her yeah. book seems to be what most people had the problem with. Um, yes. And so then it becomes a question of, you know, how do you, you know, I, I was trying to think about this. Are there other shows where a book writer has been so publicly cut where like the full production has existed and then basically post the premiere, the book writer is fired and then they bring on a new book writer. I can think of plenty of examples where that happens before the show premieres, but yeah. the, to have this like post uh, uh, premiere revision be the groundwork for this show, I think has done a lot of things to set it up for what it has become today. Absolutely, um, because it's just it just shows you that there wasn't that cohesion mm -hmm. right at the start between Bernstein and uh, Wheeler. Yeah. Um, nope. Not Wheeler. Hellman. Hellman. God, it's gonna, it's gonna <laughs> have a lot uh, between Bernstein and Hellman, um, and that when you have that rocky foundation, you're never going to be able to produce something solid um and i think a lot of people say that that it seems like they were writing in that original production they were just writing two different shows yeah um but bernstein was the one that people cared about yeah uh so his kind of was the well we're not gonna obviously gonna change the music right so what are you gonna do about your book well i do um i do wonder about that in a more like in a in a broader musical theater context because i can't mm. imagine it going the other way you know no, no mm -hmm. show has ever persisted because of its book. Even shows with the best book, right? You know, mm. book writers are notoriously undervalued. Um, mm. Not saying that Hellman's version is great. <laughs> like, by, by all remarks, you know, the, the critics aren't wrong. Um, yeah. But, of course, the music is what people want to keep because musicals are built around music. Yeah, I, completely. You know? And it was Bernstein's idea. Right. At the end of the day um so it it, it really does make sense that it, it would be his thing but um i think it, it shows you that you really you can't have one without the other right yeah and i, I you know I, I do think a lot of then you know because you, this hole just keeps getting dug deeper and deeper like uh the candide we have now is a result of that initial uh willingness to you know hack and slash at this thing um, yeah which already like the i've had this thought before about like uh divergent and convergent art making um mm. you know whether whether it is people coming together to create a collaborative piece or as often happens in musical theater people diverging away from each other and like you mm -hmm. can draw you know almost like a, a genetic tree of the show of the different parts that have been woven in and out um and and rearranged and so then like immediately after the hellman version or maybe not immediately but 
a couple decades later, later, Hal Prince got the bright idea to redo this thing, brought on uh, Hugh Wheeler, um, and the Chelsea version was created mostly without Bernstein's input. Um, yeah, which is also pretty wild. Um, had a you know cool staging by the sounds of it was you know very very hippie. Um, it, it is the sense I get from reading descriptions. It, it, yeah, it seems very Hal Princey. Yeah, you know what I mean, very yeah. like. Of its time, shall we say? That sounds about right. And they they cut the thing (laughs) down. It was like 100 minutes long. Um, And apparently it was very successful, but it had a brand new book. Mm -hmm. And so then already you've got this book that's, you know, one, trying to fix the problems of the past, but also... And you have the new book because Lillian Hellman, you know, explicitly said, don't you dare use my book um, if you're going to change this thing. Um, Which I also... I find that quite funny yeah because it's like well your work won't exist right so and i i I appreciate it like i do like i think if i wrote something and someone's like we don't like it we're gonna change it Mm -hmm. um i would obviously take that really personally but it depends how invested you are because could you like how i guess how proud do you need to be to say no mine is definitive right like mine is is perfect here yeah there's no need to change it when everyone is telling you it's not working right so how are we going to make this? And I think you'd be like, okay, well, let's try. I right. feel like that. You, well, I feel like at least you would try. And it it it, it begs the question. <clears throat> you know, you said without this, like your work doesn't exist. Like it begs the question of what is the work, right? Mm. Because the book isn't. Is the book the text on the page? Is the book the ideas? Is mm-hmm. the book those thoughts being performed in the context of the musical? Yeah, because I think like I think for um, for Hellman specifically Mm -hmm. that she really, really wanted to bring the novella onto the stage Mm -hmm. um, and keep that same uh, quite cynical ideal. Um, And I think it's really telling that Hal Prince moved right away from that. Yeah. Um, and wanted to make it more theatrical and more satirical, but on the other side of the coin, yeah, basically, yeah. not as acerbic, much more um, slapstick. Right, exactly. So, you know, these are unbelievable characters and you're watching them. And it's interesting because I would say recent revisions, like the the uh, 2009-2010 uh, Mary Zimmerman production, um, mm-hmm. reincorporated a bunch of like direct adaptations from the novella. And so almost as if we're swinging back towards that, you know, cynicalism. It is this this pendulum yeah. of art that we, you know, so often happen upon across Absolutely. across decades. Absolutely. But what I think quite interesting, and this is a sort of nerdy tangent, but we've talked about it before with things like the Fantastics and other shows set around late sixties, mm-hmm. um, early seventies, about how they were really trying to push the boundaries in terms of art and in terms of um, uh, just testing what an audience is capable of watching. Yeah. Um, and I find it really interesting that uh, Hal Prince went down the more accessible route yeah. as opposed to the, okay, well, let's, you know, let's challenge you a bit here. Right. Um, but then I wonder if that's just because Candide already isn't hugely accessible. Right, it's so, all over the place. <laughs> to kind of get the kids into the, the house, you need to try and be like, hey, right. want to try something? Yeah, you need big arrows and like, over here, over here, you get it? Mm. Like, For sure. Um, so yeah, after uh, this version... Mm-hmm, 1973, the Chelsea version. Yep. Um, 
we then had a few others and then the kind of next notable one was the opera house version mm-hmm. um which was moving back into the operetta ideal yeah of candide and away from the musical theater yeah and th- this is where bernstein kind of comes back into the picture more so i would say um, yeah. you know he brings in some of the songs he had written that were you know either cut from the chelsea version or weren't even included in the hellman version um, you know, and this starts to become, if you've seen Candide at all and are listening to this, you've probably <laughs> seen something most based on this opera house version, I would yeah. say. Uh-huh. In terms of like order. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Content. St- structure, <laughs> existence, who knows? It's so funny where we'd be like, yeah, this content is most similar to what you might know. That's just nonsense. It's so How can n- you say that about anything? Right, but like that's the thing. No one has seen the Hellman version. No one who's listening to this, likely, has seen... If you are, thank you for being alive to see the Hellman version and also yeah, exactly. being capable of listening to a podcast. I appreciate you deeply. Yeah, totally. And I mean that, non-ironically. <laughs> um, but like, the you know, it is... We talk about this in fits and starts with other shows where you see these, you know, where we like break apart the minor, minor differences between this revival of a Sondheim show and that revival of a Sondheim right. show. And Candide is like, wait, hold my beer. You know, <laughs> exactly. we're going <laughs> to. I've got my sledgehammer. So yeah, exactly. Go. Control A, delete. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Um, and then it happened again. Yeah. <laughs> And have it again. I think the the sense I get is sometime in 1982, this started to become a pet project of Bernstein again. Um, uh, yeah, I think he was probably just like, oh, look, people care about this. Right. This is, this is still existing. You know what I mean? This is still in my world. And probably, you know, the popularity of West Side Story might have been dying out a little bit. And he was like, hang on. Well, um, also by then it starts to stand on its own as, uh, or like the separate pieces start to stand on their own. Like the overture is, you know, getting a whole bunch of traction being performed by, iconic, yeah. you know, Philharmonic orchestras and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so if you, like, if to be or not to be is the popular monologue from Hamlet, it's worth it to keep the whole piece going as well so that people sure. know the context for the thing. For sure. Um, and so that's how we ended up with the definitive yes version um definitive i posit that to you thomas it's a wild i mean you know the art is never done only abandoned i mean mm. i i think it takes i think it takes a a, a bernsteinian amount of hubris to <laughs> describe a piece of art as a definitive version definitive yeah now is it is it only called that because he died shortly after I think it's called that because he said it was going to be the definitive version. Right, okay. um, like that, you know, that's what it takes. And that's yeah. that's the problem and the delight with art is like you you only have control over it until you're gone. Um mm. and if it's if it's good enough, people are going to keep trying to improve upon it beyond your death. Um yeah. you know, I think is And I guess that's that's one of the interesting things about theater is that's that's a thing you can do. Right. And it's, it's much that can still change after you've gone. And it's, you know? mu- it's much more common. And I think much more, I th- I'm going to get this wrong. Cause I, you know, failed out of my English minor. Um, <laughs> I believe F Scott, F Scott Fitzgerald was like notoriously resistant to any of his, um, uh, books 
being adapted into anything, television, plays, movies, or whatever. Um, right. And then, of course, shortly after his death, um, they started churning the wheels Kaboom. to create the Great <laughs> yeah. Gatsby movie. Um, yeah. Right? Like, and that's, if you know that, and assuming I'm remembering that correctly, um, mm. it seems much dirtier. Whereas current revisions of Candide are celebrated in the theatrical community. You know, people are like, Absolutely. Oh, you know, if, o- if only he could see this, if only he's mm-hmm. around to see what people have done with his work. Um, and like, who knows? <laughs> he might be rolling over in his grave. Potentially, potentially. Maybe he had the same kind of Hellman vibe of like, no, this is my thing. Right. I don't want anyone else touching it. Only I can. Uh, do, but who, yeah. who knows? I do. I, I do certainly think post the definitive version is why people have stopped calling them revisions. Uh, yeah, fair. You know, because it's kind of you're not. There's no new music. I guess it comes back to that point of like, is it? the book is it the music is it a combo right. i think for candida it is the music because we're not going to get any new songs yeah for candide well it's we may yet get a new book in in you know even in researching this and anyone who's you know done this sort of stuff you'll sympathize but like you type in candide you get the novella the only way mm-hmm. you get what you're looking for is to type in leonard bernstein's candide into yep. google um yep. you know you don't type in candide musical because that's already fraught you know and exactly. no one else's name is so strongly associated with this thing more than more than bernstein's completely um so yeah i think it's really telling that it's him who stood the test of time yeah uh, and I, I do wonder maybe even down the line uh if we'll get uh, a book that is equally as definitive. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Where someone would be right. like, wow, this works. Well, this marries well with this music. It's so... I the When you look at the Wheeler version, that which you know was directly adapted to try and puzzle piece into the missing pieces from Hellman's book, like mm. one of the craziest things to me is that they had to reinvent new names for the locations because those were all basically Hellman's intellectual property. Um, that's wild, and stupid like totally you know they're they're all made up places for the most part <laughs> like yep. you know or close enough um so to to be able to craft a book like this is that you know divergent convergent writing thing like mm. any book that would do these songs well has to be a good enough puzzle piece fit to the things that the songs are asking for but yeah. because the original book was already kind of, you know, cited as not even fitting into those pieces, it's like, you know, it's like there's the receptacle is broken. There's not mm. a great receiver for a good book because the songs are beautiful and lack a through line. Exactly. You know? And, and I think I think that's really crucial. Yeah. Like um, there, there's not a good hook for a book writer left anymore. Not at all. I mean, it's it's funny because there are so many songs. Like it is, it is kind of like looking at the pot of crayons and being like, "Wow, I could really make anything yeah. here." Well, do um, shall we? Do you want to talk about the music? Yeah, let's talk about the music.
addiction to champagne. <laughs> My wardrobe is expensive as the devil. <laughs> Perhaps it is ignoble to complain. Enough, enough of being basely dearful. I'll show my noble store by being bright and cheerful. So which crayon do you want? Oh man, there's a great There's over one hundred. Yeah, we'll we'll link the, the definitive candied write up. Um it's on Sondheim yeah. Guide, of course. Thank you, Sondheim Guide. Um and by our count, there are a hundred and one songs that at one point were considered to be in this thing. Now, Mm -hmm. some of them were like, in this one biography, someone said that the original music written for Dear Officer Krupke was actually intended to be in Candide. And imagine what that would have been. And like, that's, you know, not really a cut song per se. Um, You're not going to adapt G. Officer Krupke back into Candide. (laughs) No. But they should. Um, but and they... it probably will happen at some point. <laughs> I know, now that now that we've said it. Exactly. Uh, um but yeah, there's like there, this has n- this doesn't happen. This has never happened. Right. This is ridiculous. Yeah. This is absolute nonsense. I remember when we did the music man uh-huh. um and we found out that Meredith Wilson wrote over forty songs. Yeah. Um, for the music man. Yeah. I was like mind blown. I was like, that is amazing. Look at all this content. Like wow what a story you could tell right i look at this over a hundred i'm like that's just nonsense it's just nuts when i i started having i started like you know watching a bunch of different versions of this um and like i you know saw it in chicago twice we did it in college um and particularly i had the conflict over um uh easily assimilated um Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think it was when I was watching it and I was like, I swear this was like the act one closer. This, it was great. It was like, we're going to go off. It's a great rousing dance number. Da, 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 yep. Right. But then I yep. was watching the, you know, 2004 Lincoln center one. And it's this weird <laughs> quartet of like, that's sale. Um, and I'm like, yep. this is not as interesting as easily assimilated. I thought this, and it just doesn't matter. You put the songs wherever you want. Exactly. Well, I think um, We Are Women is really testament to that as well. Um, They're used in completely different places for different productions. I think in the the definitive, the Scottish opera version, um, they're put at uh, like quite near the end. Mm -hmm. Um, I now can't remember the context for them. Can you? Uh, 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 Patty Lapone and Chris and Chen would come out on stage and sing to each other. Like, what is the yes. what is <laughs> yeah, the greater context you need? I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to think where they are at that point. Yeah, I think they might be in Montevideo. Yeah, they're, they're rich at that point anyway. Yeah. I remember that much. Yeah. Um, but then previously, it's been used when uh, Cunegonde wanted to marry um, the Archduke. Yeah, or whatever he was. Um, and just even that of like, here's let's just tear apart the context. Right. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. It does. Um, it does feel like there's you do there's plenty of room for fe- flexibility somewhere in the intro. Do you have a narrator? Is it Voltaire? Does Pangloss come out? Whatever. Right. Yeah. Then you do the introduction set in stone. Um, still with revisions to the lyrics, but um, yes. best of all possible worlds. 
and um the you know Candide's sad song um yep which is also wild in the 20 in the 2004 Lincoln Center version he like packs his paddle ball away in a suitcase in the Mary Zimmerman version um in Chicago there's this huge drop of like this wonderful palace that he lives in and like his world falls apart and the drop falls on him and like the lights go blue and he uses the thing as a blanket to be like you know my world is dust now and it is so sad and i'm like it's the same fucking song like exactly it is it's it's mad it's um, really really bad but like you have that then you have you know into auto de fe and glitter and be gay and then you can just do whatever you want all the way until make our garden grow genuinely it's really funny (laughs) i just like but to me right i'm a bit like is that a good thing right or is that a bad thing (laughs) like and i guess separating into good and bad is really stupid and asinine but like to me something that you can do that you can have that much flexibility with right means that there really can't be any substance right Yes. Well, and I think I think that's that's cart and horse. There is no substance, so you can do that with it. Okay, yeah. Right? Like these these characters' motivations are so poorly defined. The plot itself is lampshaded at the beginning of every scene. Oh, I mm-hmm. thought you were dead. Well, I was. Let me Oh, we'll yeah, explain exactly. it uh-huh. later. Like yeah. that joke is leaned into so heavily like because it doesn't because matter. It's the only way that you can do it. Right. Um, you know, and we're bouncing back and forth to different places, but the place you're in doesn't really matter unless you it, have it like a vast understanding of, you know. Yeah. Like generally the only thing that seems to really matter mm-hmm. is that certain characters are on stage. But even then. Even then. Right. It doesn't. It, and do, it doesn't. I was, when I was rewatching for like last night, I was watching with my boyfriend and... You know, you can kind of track like, all right, we've got basically five main characters and across them, five main voice parts. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to do the different permutations of those voice parts singing with each other in right. interesting ways. And, you know, who cares what order they happen in? Genuinely. And then there's kind of a song for every eventuality. So it's like, oh, do you not want to go there next? Okay, well, we've got a song that will take right. you there. Yeah. Or, a, you know, I mean, it's really, this is, ooh, it is, it's nuts. I found our adaptation. I found it. Mm-hmm. Candide, Mystery of Edwin Drood style. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Do an right. audience poll. In the what middle, do you want to hear next? In the middle of Auto de Fe, you decide on the order of the show. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Everyone comes around. You're given a list of literally 100 songs right. that you have to pick from. To pick... It takes yep. five hours. No, no. One, one audience member must come on stage. <laughs> and there's big cards with the different songs and they put them in an order. And that's what we're yeah. stuck with. And then that's what you do. It's funny, but though, because like, obviously, I'm sure you've seen um, like improvised musical theater. Yeah. yeah. Right. Kind of based on that <laughs> premise almost. Yeah. Um, it's it's not like it, it feels it feels like that. It, and that's the thing. That's the thing that I really struggle with, because I'm like, how can I grow attached to these songs? Right. If they have no context. But so here's because the, then they're just songs. But I, where's the musical theater? Here's the problem. I do. Right. Like, you know, mm. we, we shit talk this. But by the if. At the end, like, I bawled at the end of the Mary Zimmerman production. Mm. Like, so deeply moved. 
um, mm. you know, more than I had been for a long time at some, you know, live theatrical pieces. Um, right. It's, it's awesome. It's very, you know, if, if, if you've seen any of Mary Zimmerman's work or know like um, Arabian Nights or something like that, it's very mm-hmm. storyteller centric. You know, the narrator idea is divided amongst the cast. Um, the set is this very cool, like forced perspective um, wood clad room with like panels that open up in and out. Yeah. Um, you know, very simple staging, but very effective. I um, think it's really beautiful, actually, her production. Yeah. And like at the at the very end during Make Our Garden Grow, the whole set starts to sprout flowers from every direction, just you know, yep. simply and slowly. Um, the whole thing is gorgeous. And so something had to get me there. Yeah. But is that like who's doing the work? True. That's a. That's a. That is. That is the question of the night. <laughs> and this is. But this is what I thought when I was watching it. I was like, so the one that I've watched mm-hmm. is the um the definitive yeah. version. Mm-hmm. Um and listen, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. I've listened to Candide a lot before, and I I really like some of the songs. Um, but the, again, it's that thing of the first time you listen to a cast recording. They're mm-hmm. just songs. They're not. You're not getting the story. Right. Yet. Um. And Candide always feels like that to me. Yeah. I don't. I. I find it really hard to pinpoint. You know. Oh yeah, that one. That's then because there isn't a then. Right. Um. And so with you at the Mary Zimmerman production, mm-hmm. what's happened is someone's kind of interpreted and thrown things into a pot yeah. in your brain. Yeah. Because of whether it's aesthetics or whether it's acting or mm-hmm. whether it's liked you know whatever right um your brain has put them together and told your own story right um and i think that is where i i kind of take issue i guess yeah no that's fair um you know we said it already like hal prince you know was like we need big arrows to Mm. walk people through this story and Mm -hmm. it's true you know, and I think it's why Candide has this weird relationship with musical theater, theater and opera, because that is the push and pull between musical theater and opera. Opera, right. the audience does the work. Musical theater, the cast does the work. Exactly. And I, I, I think that's kind of where it comes down to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, to me, it, it frustrates me, I guess, because I'm, I'm a musical theater boy. Sure. And I... I'm story first. Yeah. Everything else second. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when you don't really have a story. Yeah. It's really tricky. L- let's talk about that, Jimmy, because this is mm. like one of the crazy things about this show is full fledged, you know, opera groups have done it. And and, and Hal Prince has directed 16 versions of it. Like, right. Except, yeah, whether it be opera, musical, right. operetta, yeah. musicetta, whatever that right. is. Right. Yeah. You know, in concert. Like, so let's talk about, you know, how adaptable and like the, the thousands of different versions of this thing that have been created. I, I agree. Very true, oh, but now we'll find a way. 
Then what did you do? We'll go into that another day. Now let's talk of you. Okay. What what is it? <laughs> the the show? <laughs> yeah. No one can agree. Um, no one can agree. I used to, uh, it's been a long time, but I used to be pretty involved in um, Wicked Project Musical Theater, which is now very much defunct. Um, mm. I but- remember when you told me this for the first time, by the way, I was, I was like, I felt like I was in the presence of like greatness. It was nothing to do with your whatever <laughs> many thousand subscribers on YouTube. I was like, this guy has like changed and my life with this how was, much Wicked This written. was long before um, uh, Musical Theater MASH even, but there are still large sections of synopsises, synopses, synopsi, um, mm-hmm. and other portions of Musical Theater articles on Wikipedia that like i wrote um we have so much to be grateful for for you i you know i I do what i can um thank you but i distinctly uh uh wikipedia editors are notorious about um uh turf (laughs) you know who's who's in charge of what article um and i remember getting in a minor beef with wiki project opera over candide over whose style guide was going to apply to the thing. And at the time, exactly. I didn't know much about Candide, so I was like, fine, whatever, y- you know, you guys tackle it. Um, and now as a grown-ass adult, my thought is like, who cares? It's all, you know, it's ba- we're going to, you know, give away the same information. Right. Um, uh-huh. But it is, this is one of those shows that, it, it, it begs the question, does the content create the medium or does the medium define the content are operas that way because they're written to be operas or is the piece performed that way because it's in an opera house yeah so uh, this this i feel like is the ultimate question like this is the you know that that really horrible plot line in doctor who (laughs) Where it was like the, the, the ultimate question, the last yeah, the question at the end of the question or whatever the stupid phrase Doctor was. Who. <laughs> yes, I do remember that. Nonsense. Uh, I feel like this is hours of that. Yeah. Because I, so many people have asked me this and I, I like stumble through an answer and just throw loads of words at them. Yeah. And I think they leave kind of satisfied, but I have no idea what I just said because it, it's so there's just this eternal push-pull like if if you try and map out i can't remember when we have talked about opera before because we've talked about wagner before yeah i mean we talked about I can't it with remember Sweeney? when way back when oh, that is way back when we're talking four years there t yeah maybe we talked about it in throughout the opera as well mm, that because was, that that's why that was written as a response to the wagnerian operas yeah um but like if you look at the journey and then you know throw gns in the mix there as well right it's the, there's just so much crossover and overlap yeah that one changes into the other without anyone kind of realizing what's happened right and obviously since then we've had operas that look more like musicals and we've had musicals yeah. that look like I, and i think nowadays in in maybe even in the 2010s i don't even know if we were quite there when i was in college um, mm. but like nowadays, I think we've all come around to a postmodern understanding of performance art that like all of this is the same and all of this is different and you can call upon bits and pieces of whatever in whatever and that's fine. 
Well, what I would say is I'm going to get shot. <laughs> but what I would say is I think musical theatre people, well, not all musical theatre people, I think a handful of musical theatre people would agree with that. Yeah. And probably a handful of opera people would agree with that. But I think a lot of opera people would be like, no. That's fair. Opera is opera. Yeah. Because that... there is, there's something about, I guess because it's so long standing. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it, opera has netched, netched? That's not, that's not the word. Etched. Yes. Um, it's word. It's is mark into the stone well, of history, you and know there's what I mean? there's a there's a there's a a piece of pride that comes with going to the opera, or you know, right. going to a concert, or going to the ballet. Like, yes, I am an intellectual, and I understand, and you know, I have the mental Absolutely. facilities, right? And I don't, I I say that in a in a teasing voice. I, I <laughs> no, but. I, it's true. It's, it's true. It's absolutely true. That's why kind of the birth of musical theatre was created. That's why, but you know, Brecht wrote Thrupney Opera was because he was like, I need to give stuff that people can actually watch that people right. like the not the punters can go to. Right. Um, I as also to the hoi polloi. I also think if a contemporary you know opera feel went to a you know eighteen hundreds opera, they'd be mm. bored out of their mind. Oh, so I really agree. Right. Because like. I think, like, see if we look at some other contenders for this, you know, the the people who live on the, the divide. Uh-huh. Um, Jerry Springer. Mm-hmm. Very much a musical. Right. As in terms of, like, what people call it. Right. But just, it, it's really just a modern opera. Yeah, it, yeah. It resembles so many other modern operas. Right. Well, and... What is it that's made that... I mean, and this is, you know, we're, we're two tangents in, but that's the whole plot of uh, Mr. Burns, a post-electric play. Like, that... What did you just say? Mr. Burns, a post-electric play. Have you heard about this? I have not heard about this. What's that? Please? What? Oh, you would Mr. love Burns, it. Mr. Burns, as in The Simpsons? Yes. I don't know if this will make the cut. I'm amazed we've never talked about this. You will love what? it. You will love this play, Jimmy. Um, you should read it because you can't see it anywhere. It's three acts. Um, the first act starts after the apocalypse. Whatever it is, right. doesn't matter. It has happened um, recently. And uh-huh. the the remnants of humanity or whoever is gathered around the campfire. And they're like, oh, you remember that episode of The Simpsons? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, that one. And then Mr. Burns is like, blah, 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 you know. And they're basically, and they basically retell the plot of one episode of The Simpsons best they can around the campfire because humanity is gone, right? It doesn't right, exist okay. so anymore. It's, it's, it's kind of talking about storytelling. It and only exists in their on. brain. Act oh God, two, humanity is starting to rebuild. And mm-hmm. a troop of traveling players performs this episode of the simpsons in like you know trash bags and on abandoned cars and like Uh you know to the best they can and some pieces get lost in the middle and some pieces of remembered culture start to come back into the thing things that aren't related to the simpsons but that we remember as part of our culture act three humanity has entirely rebuilt and there's now this opera That is this episode of The Simpsons, but also has like Britney Spears songs in it. Um, right, okay. And like, you know, like a, a very stylized Homer mask and a Marge headpiece. And like, it's, it is so clever oh God, and so that. funny. You Repeat would, the title to me. Uh, Mr. Burns, a post-electric play. Um, post-electric play. I, I think that's what it's called. That's amazing. Yeah, you would love it. You should look up some photos of it. What an amazing idea. Yeah. I really, really, I'm totally into that. Yeah, I'm amazed we've never talked about it because you absolutely yeah. would love it. But that's, it, you know what? It, it sits in an interesting place because it, 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 that idea mm-hmm. of heightening yeah. and, you know, 
what is this what is the kind of story that you're telling and what does everything look like it it's just it's impossible to answer because the other one it was interesting what you said earlier Mm -hmm. about um is it the content is it the house yeah uh because i saw the eno version english national opera version Mm -hmm. of sweeney Mm, um, with bryn turfel who's a opera singer yeah um and emma thompson who is not um and yeah so it was in the coliseum mm-hmm. um which is a massive very important significant opera house um and obviously eno did it because they wanted to be kind of like expanding their repertoire and realizing that we want to make sure that opera stays and, right or and grows they did it because they needed a, a, a seller that month a seller, well, exactly um and it, when i watched it I couldn't tell what it, what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it, it was weird. The way that they started it, I think I might have spoken about this before, but the way they started it was very traditional. They had the plants at either side of the stage. There was a grand piano on the stage and mm-hmm. um, everyone was in formal dress and mm-hmm. they came out with their, their scores mm-hmm. as if it was going to be like a concert performance. Yeah. Um, and then halfway through the overture, uh, they all start shutting their books and mm-hmm. throwing them around. Um, and then at one point they pick up the grand piano and throw it. Mm. Um, I've seen, I've seen that. Yeah. Right. And it was really, it was really effective. It was really, really effective because it was very much like this isn't your average opera. Right. Right. But see, but then we're, also- <laughs> we're subverting the style, but are we like, I, exactly. Because also it kind of had nothing to do with Sweeney yeah. Todd. Well, I do the, the I guess the third question of like is it so is it the content is it the house mm. if you flip that like if it's the content I would say the content of Sweeney Todd feels more operatic to me than operatic, the content exactly. of Candide yeah comp- I, um yeah Candide has because bits... it's inbuilt into it right. this idea of the kind of Greek chorus the the backing singers well, and the main players and so, uh, uh, Sweeney Todd is important you know t- attend to the tale it's about murder Candide is like mm-hmm. oh raped again like yeah you know nothing is important in Candide yeah that's that's a good point actually because the the um the kind of alienating effect mm-hmm. um that Sweeney Todd has yeah uh is really intrinsic and always taken quite seriously. Right. Whereas the alienating effect in Candide mm-hmm. is on the more frivolous side of things. So like what Brecht would have done in his comedies yeah. as opposed to his like serious yeah. moral plays. Um, but you get to decide because there are different versions of this show. There are exactly. ones where Voltaire or a narrator comes out and goes, the story of Candide. And there are ones where that doesn't happen. Yep. And there are ones where it's literally set in america oh god with american history characters yeah the, what is it? that i'm gonna butcher the name the, the chateau de bleu <laughs> the theater chatelet that's what i said um yeah the french version um the french version. Yeah. there's there's a couple clips you can see of this thing um that you that we'll put in the links and you should watch but maybe watch in private um like yeah. there it's a it's a send-up of mccarthyism um and a bunch of other american things it's, yeah just like kind of american political history there during auto de fe there's a whole chorus of klu klux klan members that come out and start dancing around a bunch of business people um there are indeed yeah like it is and the the finale make our garden grow is the whole set is this huge television and mm-hmm. they drop a projection screen and as they sing make our garden grow projected on the screen are all these scenes of like you know 
desolate forests and garbage mm-hmm. heaps and like you know fallout from bombings and fires and like about how we're destroying the earth mm-hmm. juxtaposed with like make our garden grow like, exactly it's, it's moving it's something for sure it's it's, it's certainly stirring yeah um but it, i <sighs> It's that kind of thing. You get it quite a lot where it's like, are you doing that for shock value? What's the, what is the story that you're telling with right. this? I saw um, I saw a clip of a, I think it's a Berlin version. The whole page was in German, so I couldn't understand a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but the clip, the clip was um, Glitter and Be Gay. Um, mm. And Kunigunda is like standing on a bar with a stripper pole. Um, and right. that's how she sings a song, which is story appropriate. That is yep. what she's doing, but it felt yep. it's so different than you know uh, uh, her in a bathtub or you know her dancing around a, a lounge with uh, pearls like in a pink yeah. tutu. You know, it, wildly different interpretations of the same piece. So I get yep. like your initial question: someone comes up to you and says, "Is Candide an opera or a musical?" And I think the answer is like, well, it depends on what you do with it. I kind of but then it's it's weird because i think with candide i would say there are lots more opera versions than there are musical theater versions That's in fair. fact mm-hmm. i find it really difficult to pick out the ones where i'm like i identify this as a musical theater the i'd say the biggest one mm-hmm. um would be the daniel evans version which i think is the 99 okay um it's a British one. Okay. Um, it's the one on Spotify that has like the moon or something on it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, it, there's like a bit? yellow. Is it like a, a man with a yellow back and his blue and yellow and? Oh, potentially. I don't know. <laughs> this it's is Daniel Evans one. I think riveting, it's riveting podcast material. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. <laughs> um, we're just letting it, you have the opportunity to look for yourself, listeners. <laughs> um, anyway, it's really low key. Mm-hmm. The orchestrations are V small. Yeah. Um, it's sung in a musical theater style. Okay. And it's not it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And to me I'm like is that telling? Right. Yeah. Is that the is that the thing is like when you try and musical theaterize this and um I've read a, l- a couple of reviews and things and apparently it is a lot more low key and they are really hitting into the storytelling aspect of it mm-hmm. and the 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 musical theater of it as opposed to listen to this music and perhaps feel something right um so i'm so sorry people who like opera well it's, uh, there are better but, operas yeah no one fair. has no i will say even the biggest opera pedants i would i would be struck if someone who says candide is the best opera right yeah okay or the pinnacle fair. of what opera should be yeah that's a good but, pro- but probably because it's bastardized because it's this it treads this line right but then Sweeney Todd isn't. I don't know. I'm yeah, just so, it's, I'm we so don't confused. have the you know the the world of performed musical theater and performed music performance encompassing opera. I will say, is so is such a small sample size. Like this mm-hmm. is a problem we encounter all the time. That trying to draw patterns between these things is often fruitless because yeah. Candide is the only Candide, right? It's not yeah. like Candide is representative of 16... Well, maybe it is the 16 other Candides. Um, I know. But, like, 
the 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 vast chasm between Candide and Sweeney Todd is huge, and they're still so very close to each other because Stephen Sondheim studied under Leonard Bernstein. Like, yeah. there's only a couple people who make these things, yeah. and so whenever you start and, to oh, that's, oh, sorry, I just had a, like a little epiphany there because yeah. like an argument that I often get into with like in the piazza mm-hmm. is that it's too much like an operetta, yeah, and obviously. Sondi was a big mentor to Adam Gettle. Right. Interesting. Yeah. It's just drooping down. And it's that's that's an interesting point. Like we we talk about musical theater like it is this huge genre, and it is, but compared to other things like like there's no comparing. You know, walk yeah. through the fiction section in the library. Walk through the mystery section of the fiction section in the library. You know, yeah. walk through the vampire romance mystery section in the library, <laughs> and you will find a more diverse group of books than the whole canon of musical theater, right? Yeah. And so once you start to, you know, it, it's it's why this is fun. It's why it's fun to unpack these things and draw the parallels totally. because there are so few, and we can keep them all in our head. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas, like, I try not to keep Twilight in my head. Uh-huh. I think yeah, I think I think I find it difficult just because like it, musical theatre wouldn't exist without opera for sure. Do you know what I mean? And it it feels like a, just a little clade of it, but because it's got such deep popularity because it's so bloody good, um, I think that's why it, it's tricky, and that's that's why we find it really I don't know really difficult. Um, Is Great Comet an opera? No. Why? I don't Because it doesn't feel... Because I like it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like that's it. The because problem. you can understand and, what they're saying. And that's I don't a, know. Like, and it's an unfair question because I will say Great Comet was conceived in the you know a, a postmodern acceptance of exactly because like people would say bending. it's great comet musical theater right you know what i mean is it transcendent right. yes of course it is because the best right um, but yeah if there's someone who is is kind of taking it to the next thing it's probably someone like dave malloy who's right. like well listen let's look at this right <laughs> let's yeah. look at this theme but it's still drawing upon the you know the trickle down of both musical theater and opera for sure and a thousand other things as all yeah. of these you know pieces and of the art. thing is the thing is tommy i would argue that it's still too early to look for the next thing yeah because opera was around for hundreds of years mm-hmm. before yeah you know oscar hammerstein and rich rogers were like right let's see yep. what we can do Mus- musical theater we're just about to crack a century just right. about like just like really just yeah um and i think in that in that case it probably is truly really to be like okay we're, we've got this you know what i mean we know what this is now yeah what's next yeah um because i think anything that attempts to go next will always just fall back to being okay well yeah it's just a nice interesting piece of musical theater right you know well you're just you know you're you're expanding the circle of the venn diagram until your little bloop has gotten so big that it's so far away from the center that like yeah you know you mitosis into another category exactly love this biology of blades. <laughs> mitosis is great um how is your bloop by the way i was i was meant to ask you my bloop yeah your little bloop my bloop well you just said it bloop? and it sounded really funny it sounded like a, yeah you said that you said those words not four seconds oh ago. my bloop how is my bloop my yeah. bloop's good. <laughs> good thanks good great comedy from jim and tomic 
uh, we were we were we were talking with one of our uh, our bosses, um, and he kept talking about how this show was funny, and I was like, I don't think this I show's know. that funny. Exactly. <laughs> I had one of my friends was like, I don't know if people have heard it, but they add that we ran yeah. um, on the other BPN oh, shows. Yeah. Um, and one of my parents was like, it was so good. I just loved it. I was like, what did you listen to? It was abysmal. <laughs> <laughs> Abominable embarrassment. I'm Talking glad, about frogs. I'm, I'm glad people like us. <laughs> <laughs> How sad is that? Uh, I'm glad people like, I am also glad. <laughs> anyway. Candy, opera, musical, operetta. Who knows? Genuinely, who knows? Not me. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, now that we're super clear about what Candide is... Right, uh, and I now that we've time... talked about how uh, how shitty the story is, do you want to talk about the story? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. Um, I mean, right. <laughs> it's got heart. you got to have heart. <laughs> musical theater reference. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Damn like... Yankee. Like, that's... <laughs> Can we talk about that instead? Uh, that's the Venn diagram I want about like how much time we spend talking about other shows on episodes that are supposed to be about a yeah. particular show. Exactly. I think, do you know what though? I think with Candide, I think one of the reasons why in this one in particular we're diverging is because it's so um, philosophical. Yes. The, as in the, the core piece, the original text um, is philosophical in nature. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, if you're talking about something that is literally an idea, yeah. uh, you then interpret it through other means right. because it's easier. Right. Um, and it, it's it's hard to give that sort of thing a concrete physicality, you know? To, totally. To root it in a, a world or a person or a place or a story. Absolutely. And a, a story, that's exactly it. Because uh, testament to what we've just spoken about for an hour, um, it's really hard to say <laughs> to talk about the story of Candide, the opera musical. Yeah. Because there's lots of different stories, you know, there's one, there's like a, a plot, but there's many different stories. Right. Yeah. And they're and all, all, all towards the goal. Like, what would you say? Cause if, the, if this is philosophical, right. Mm -hmm. Then at the end, at the third midnight, Voltaire's going to come out and, you know, say his moral for the story. Right. Like, what is the moral of Candide? <laughs> well, it's funny because I've seen so many different interpretations. Yeah. But that's really interesting. Like, so what I'm going to say just now, I don't really like philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't like it. Mm. I 
the the reason why and I, I i don't know much about it well <laughs> no i don't i don't know much about it i've never studied it <laughs> you've paired the two worst senses together you possibly can for I the internet i don't like something and i don't know anything about it <laughs> absolutely but i have still can have opinions on it right of course um, that's all no, we do I on this podcast <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that I'm ignorant, right? And I've had many discussions with people who are really passionate about philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I fully appreciate their passion. Um, but it's not for me because I find it really inhibiting. I think, you know, I've, I've spoken to people and met people in my life who really, really buy into, you know, Nietzsche mm-hmm. or Marxism. And they really live their life by this very strict code. Yeah. And this set of rules, this philosophy which is really an, it's an ideology. Yeah. Um, and it, when you say things to them, it's like, well, no, because Nietzsche said this. Right. And I'm like, but I'm sure I could find you somewhere in the Rolodex. Well, this person said this, mm-hmm. and that's different. Who's correct? You like Nietzsche, so you're going to say Nietzsche. But I'm going to say Rousseau was correct. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to say Voltaire was correct. Yeah. You know, it's, it's too silly. Yeah. Um, do you re- is it the it, the finality of it the like this is yeah. the worldview draw a circle around it we're done totally because I've had people be like oh so you're a uh, X because I've said something right. and I'm like no I don't have any idea what you're talking about because I've never read this yeah I'm sure someone else have had the same thoughts as I have yeah but I've had those thoughts those are my thoughts mm-hmm. I wasn't influenced by Nietzsche or whoever like right. nihilism or I don't I don't know like. I came up with that myself and I'm proud of that because mm-hmm. that was a little moment of like, oh, light bulb. Yeah. I'm not then going to be like, okay, who's found this light bulb before me? Oh, okay. So this is what my next six light bulbs should look like. Right. You know, yeah. I want to have, I like the melting pot. I like going on journeys and I like thinking yeah. about different things and interpreting yeah. and making opinions up on them. Well, wouldn't you, I, so in like so in some away sorry <laughs> in in some versions of candide um the, the musical uh we have pangloss and then we have oh god the old man in the cave he's got a name mega pangloss the, um, the, the spanish one is he there's there is a a, a, well, a, a foil to pangloss who in some versions they meet um he sings words 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 uh martin oh on the boat on the boat, sometimes on the, the boat, boat but in other versions, um, you know, he sings like the worst of all possible wor- wor- worlds. Um, mm-hmm. There is this character who is, you know, we get, I'd, it's chicken and egg and I'm not sure and I'm sure I could look it up, but I'm not. But like the idea of a Panglossian view of life, that everything will mm-hmm. be good. And then there is this foil to that, that everything is terrible, right? Mm-hmm. And if you start expanding and looking on Candide, there are... They expand upon, you know, 10 or 11 different philosophical views of life. Mm-hmm. You know, is it this religion or that religion? Is it a view and everything's for the best? Is it a view and everything's for the worst? Is it a view and so many things are happening that is too busy? Is it a view that so few things are happening that I am so bored with life? Yep. And yep. the conclusion they end up on is like, whatever, we'll build a house, we'll tend our garden and do what we can. Um, yep. And so, like, I would say Candide is almost a rejection of your view or what, like, I think you and Candide at the end of the show would agree. (laughs) I I would agree. 
with your agreement um <laughs> yeah because i mean like so voltaire wrote it in response to um the the um i think it was leibniz um who had this idea of like optimism full stop yeah best of all possible worlds everything's for the best great um and you know that was quite st- deeply steeped in religion that there was a greater power right. and everything had meaning yeah because of that and that is pangloss you know that is exactly who that is right um and yeah candide goes on this journey and learns that well actually maybe that isn't the right thing right. and gets to this stage at the end where he's like okay it's it's this yeah but then i don't know even then people just can't accept that yeah because i've seen like pages upon pages of debates of people being like well the ending is very this person or the ending is very this philosopher well and even the differences between how the ending is interpreted whether it's it is this hopeful great where flowers sprout out of the stage or this terrible backed by you know the nuclear wasteland that humanity has wrought upon the earth right exactly and i think like for me right my interpretation of it because that's all i have Mm. i don't have my books and philosophy to look through and relate things to yeah um my interpretation of it is that it's like it it all comes down to that line of like we do the best we know yeah right um that's literally all we can do ever Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) genuinely that's that's that is the that is the baseline um and i think when you accept that it's all good mate yeah. Do you know, like genuinely because it's like okay are you doing the best you can right good yeah well and that i mean that is what if you as as two-dimensional as these characters are that is you know mm-hmm. candide's modus operandi throughout the whole thing you know every time he accidentally murders someone or makes a choice as if you can even call them choices when he makes them it's always like well yeah. this seems like the best choice we could make in this situation yeah. and oftentimes it bites him in the ass um but like that is and then he learns from that it's like still you wanted and like that is different from optimism like that is you know that to me is uh-huh. the, the rub of the thing it's not it's just like, kind of like accept it i don't know like yeah but then people would say oh that's nihilistic and i'm like it's not right because i don't understand what that is <laughs> so it's not that do you know what i mean because actually there's like 20 other influences going on that have got me to that decision mm-hmm. it is not one worldview right um it? And it frustrates me. <laughs> it really, it really frustrates me. Yeah. Um, well, and that's. I mean, I think that's one of the the one of the poisons of pieces like this of musical theater. Mm. On on the page, Candide seems very simplistic, right? And mm-hmm. you can leave it with a very simplistic view of the moral that you learned. Yeah. You know, happy ending. Happy. Well, it, it, but happy ending, but because we accept the middle ground. Things aren't for the yeah. best, but they're also not for the worst. Yeah. Which and like that that interpretation isn't wrong. But well, no interpretation is wrong. Well, yeah, right, because there's a thousand <laughs> of them. Um, exactly. <clears throat> but like that's that is the question of like, does this story tell itself in the best way, and is that Bernstein's problem or Vol- Voltaire's problem? Like. Mm. Well, I think at the time, Voltaire wrote the best story he could. Absolutely. And I think it worked. <laughs> he wrote the, the Candide version of the story. He did the, the best of, he, yeah, he knew. Yeah, he candided the heck out of that. Um, <laughs> but interestingly enough, I don't... I think in this day and age, yeah. Candide isn't the right story to tell. Yeah, to why tell not? That, to illustrate that point. Because it's... I think it's really... I'm going to get hit in the face. That's I fine. it's a bit up its own arse. That, that I agree with. Yes. And I think people 
uh, I think people really buy into that. I'm not saying that it, it isn't steeped in intellectualism and it isn't steeped in interpretation. Like there is, it is the the pamphlet that was written however many hundred years ago. Yeah was very good because yeah. look at you know look at the years that have passed and look at us still now trying to interpret it right still trying to work out what it's saying right and i think i'm not saying i don't think it's frivolous i think it does have meaning um but i think for theater for musical theater i i don't have any interest mm-hmm. in learning anything from it i i think i i get the ending yeah. and i like the ending and i like that point of being like here's an idea right I didn't need the past two hours. Do you think it's because it sets itself up as a morality tale? No. Okay. And because I'm going to cite two things here. Excellent. Uh, two pieces of musical theater. Remember that? <laughs> uh, I'm going to cite Pippin and I'm going to cite Godspell. Sorry, okay. we're talking about Pippin again. Um, but uh, weirdly, both by Schwartz. Yeah. Funny. Um I after after watching Candide, all I wanted to do was listen to Godspell. Interesting, because I wasn't angered by it. To yeah. me, right, Godspell and Pippin uh-huh. are both equally as interpretable, sure, um, pieces of theatre yeah. as Candide. Yeah, um, and again, there will be people out there that will think I am trash talking this because this is a you know it's just voltaire it's a historical piece of fiction absolutely but to be honest i get more from watching pippin and i get more from watching godspell um than i do from watching candide because it's more relatable Uh to me again this is all just opinion it's more relatable yeah um it's done in a more cohesive fashion sure like no one's been like how the hell do we tell pippin pippin is a story that has been revived very successfully yeah. and not much changed other well, than its interpretation. It's a good, Pippin especially is a good parallel to a lot of um, Candide stuff because it is, you know, episodic. It's the same it, story, it, yeah. You know, it takes place long in the long, long ago um, Absolutely. with some Absolutely. distinct ties to its history that they tell you enough about but also don't burden you with trying to understand. Uh-huh. You, know, you don't need to I mean, know like who it, Charlemagne it, was to understand Pippin. Right, I mean, and this this is like a literary thing here of i think it's like picaresque or buildings mm-hmm. room i've seen both these words thrown around um of like a coming of age a learning yeah. often by like a male right. uh archetype um and you know for pippin and actually kind of godspell because right it's still it's just, it's, a, different, it's, it's just a different person and right i, I kind of almost want to talk about that in a bit as well but um like i don't know you can go along in the ride with him and you're not throwing all of this opulence and all of this grandeur that comes with Bernstein's Candide. Yeah. You're not confused, really. Right. You might be a bit like, this is weird. Yeah. Absolutely. But I still wonder, because, like, Pippin is less set up to be a morality tale in its existence than Candide is. Because Hmm. Candide is written, you know, like, it, it is... It starts off as a lesson, right? Let me mm-hmm. teach you this thing, and then in many versions ends with any questions, which is a joke, but yeah. still drives it home. Whereas Pippin, there's a there's a you know, <laughs> there's a story there. Sounds stupid to say it out loud, but mm-hmm. like you can enjoy just the story of Pippin and not come away with it, and you don't need to come away with it with a moral, and still mm. have enjoyed the piece. 
I don't think anyone's like, oh man, the beautiful story of Candide. Like Cunegonde and Candide are such, you know, they're the Romeo and Juliet. They're like, I was so excited for them to. F- no, it's you know, it's clownish how uh, uh, vapid their relationship is, right? Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. through to the end when they decide they're going to settle down together and you know get married, right? You don't really yeah, it still ca- means nothing. You don't really right. care about the romance between them, right? Right. Um. Which is not true of Pippin, right? You care about Pippin, um, mm-hmm. like I, I, I don't know what I'm. But getting what at. I would say is like, sh- surely that's better when you're watching theater, right? I, I, I like because I'm not reading a pamphlet on philosophy, right? I'm not reading a pamphleted response to a philosopher's ideals, right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm going into a house and I'm watching theater, right? Um. And I'm not saying theatre can't have moral. Obviously not. If you know anything about me, that is literally <laughs> my thing. Um, right. But, but it does... You are there to experience a story. Right. And kind of what I've been saying with Candide is like, I don't know if the story is there. Right. It does... I, this is this is an oversimplification, but because mm. of the way Voltaire has written Candide, the musical adaptation of Candide is kind of more comparable if there was like, you know, the Communist Manifesto, the musical... <laughs> right. Oh my God, Marx. Right. Yeah, Marx. <laughs> Exclamation point. <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know what I mean, like because its source material is so seeped in some underlying, you know, political motive. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it is then harder to make the story worthwhile or interesting. Right. So. There you go. Yeah. Do, do you know? I mean, like that's the thing. Is like that's that's my that's my issue, right? Because like a, the, the problem is Bernstein wrote such great songs for it. Like I think that's the problem with Candide. Absolutely, is the music Absolutely. is so infectious. Um, but Bernstein's songs, outside of "Make Our Garden Grow," yeah, don't hugely tell the the story yeah. that Voltaire is is talking about. Do you know what I mean? For yeah. the most part, like the, they talk about other things. Yeah, the ones the ones that do are those ones that are that I said earlier that are set in stone in the order, right? Yeah. Best of all possible worlds, auto de fe, glitter and be gay, and then make our garden grow. And I thought I don't know. I'm just like right. Well, and that's I'd I'd, I'd rather watch in, Pippin. And, and it, I, I, it's all it all like circles around the same point about like musical or operetta or like the problems with adaptation that like mm-hmm. in musical theater the idea is the songs further the story and the character development but yeah. you're adapting from a piece where those elements are secondary to some other primary element the satirical exactly. philosophical commentary that Voltaire is trying to make and yep. so then you get like an incompatibility between those two genres that then result in the confusion of this thing for, you know, half a century. For sure. Um, but then I don't know, to because I'm thinking, like, I was like, okay, I need to think of, like, give me a like concept, the musical, mm-hmm. right? And there's obviously, there's so many, because, like, you know, look at company. You know what a fair one is? And you might not have listened to this one because it's not great, mm. but there is, have you heard of the adding machine? <laughs> Yeah, I love the adding machine. You okay? All right. <laughs> um, yeah, um, 
Okay, I love the Adam scene because it's wackadoo. Sure, right. Uh, I think if I saw a production of it, I would be bored. Yeah, well, and it the you know it was a play first that was equally as wackadoo. Um, yeah, that is a philosophical commentary on what nineteen twenties Americana. Um, yeah, kind of. Uh huh zeitgeist yeah you know like a weird expressionistic piece if you know nothing about the adding machine you should look it up the play or the musical it's a no it's a you'll love the opening it's a work it will get a, weird a workplace murder drama <laughs> potentially <laughs> yeah um but it's super expressionist um mm. but has a philosophical edge to it right but it I th- absolutely does yeah and I think leans into that more so in a way that lets you know that like these characters are not people, they're characters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Candide treads that line in the other direction. Like, no, Candide is a boy. He is a human boy, right? Yeah. With human feelings. Except yeah. as you watch more of him, he's got like three motivational words and the you know slot machine spins <sighs> in his head and it lands on one yeah. of them each scene. I think maybe that is it. Maybe it's the char- Maybe it is the characters. Maybe I'm like, who are you? why have you been 12 people already? Why have you died three times? Like, I have no investment in you. Right. Um, and it, it kind of goes beyond yeah. Ver from Dung's effect. It, it goes beyond that alienation idea. Yeah. Because it, they are trying to be characters. Right. Well, and I think that is the, like, one of the things that the Zimmerman production didn't, did do that I very much enjoyed was that Candide, they tried very hard not to make him two-dimensional. Um, he, right. he wasn't that chipper like, oh, I am a, you know, 40 year old tenor playing a tiny boy. Like yeah. he was cast younger, which I was like more appropriately aged. Um, yeah. you know, they'd cast someone who was a better actor than I think a lot of the opera singers who they cast in this role. Um, yep. but then you could see him, you know, run into these struggles every time he met someone with a new philosophy. Like, oh, that's that's the way the world should be. Oh, right, okay. okay. But is that? And you know, there's not a lot of time to watch him have those moments. So yeah, you know, perhaps I am adding my own feeling on top of it a little more. But then mm-hmm. when he does finally make the decision at the end, like, mm-hmm. well, I guess we we'll just build a house. You know, as opposed to like we'll just build a house. I guess right. Yeah as so many of these other productions do. Like, I think that's, that's what I want in my Candide. I would agree because to me, I'm like, well, that sounds like Pippin. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Here's a, here's a kid who struggles, 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 struggle. Yeah. And then makes a decision and it's all taken away from it. Do you know what I mean, like, but he's still happy with his decision. Like that to me right. is, that sounds like that. But yeah. also you're still having to sit through a lot of guff. Right. To get there to get there yeah in a way that doesn't really pay off no like you could cut uh, you don't need to encounter this one particular philosophy for candy to have you know reach his conclusion at the very very end yeah it's it's funny because like i i kind of appreciate it yeah but i I don't really i don't really have this feeling with a lot of musicals yeah which is a good thing i think yeah sure um especially because we do a musical theater podcast right exactly but as in like i'm often like do you know what here's its merit here's yeah element. that's true but i i'm reluctant with candide yeah because of its pedigree yeah i think yeah i'm like this should be better by now yeah i did the i i read this line in one of the many <laughs> theses um so i can't and i didn't cite it so i'm doing a bad job here but i thought this mm. was very apt um someone wrote the dramatic irony is that candide the musical is a journey and not a destination much like the show itself yep and i think that is 
speaks volumes. <laughs> exactly. No, but you're you're it's totally right because there are people that would have read Voltaire's pamphlet mm. and disagreed with it wholeheartedly. Yeah. And there are people that will go and see Candide and they will disagree with it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fine. Yeah. That's theater. If if that's you know, that means it is, you know, perhaps for its faults, still doing its job. Absolutely. And the music is gorgeous. The music's really good. We've not said that once. <laughs> the music's amazing. There's a I it's <laughs> I disappointed a lot of people. I don't think you've seen it yet. In a mm-hmm. in a in a moment of insomnia. Um I published Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I published a video on musical theater mash long awaited that people got very excited about. And it's really just a cut up of um, the finale of Candide and Animal Crossing. And it's, it, I still find it very funny. <laughs> do, you know what's, do you know what's interesting, though? Huh? Deeply emotional talk. I, surprisingly so. Like, I started it as a joke and I was getting into it. And I was like, this is really moving. <laughs> exactly. I, I, because I don't know whether, Tommy, whether it's just because of all of the shenanigans going on yeah. at the moment. But I watched that and I was just really like, you know, watching your little guy make his garden yeah. i was like that's beautiful yeah and you know what it's just so interesting because obviously at the moment mm-hmm. there are a lot of people right hold on uh, i can hear an ice cream truck is that yeah you? i know that's gonna happen a lot okay. so we'll just we'll just brush through it okay. um optimism <laughs> <laughs> ice cream but no uh i think it yeah all over the world right now people are playing animal crossing and making these little gardens right. and kind of taking a step back uh and looked at what they've got and at the moment are doing the best they know yeah um and i think that weirdly yeah links up really nicely with candide yeah um the finale of candide absolutely uh, because it, you know that that's that idea of like it's it, it's taking the time to simplify yeah i don't know about you but i've had lots of conversations with people where they're saying that do you know what? I've realized a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> more so than I ever have because mm-hmm. I've stopped. Yeah. Yeah. When there, I I was on a, on a socially distanced walk around the block the other day. Um, mm-hmm. and someone had written on the sidewalk, um, adversity makes a man confront himself. Mm. And there is, you know, whether it's in Candide or in, you know, this life changing world we're living in right now, but there is something about like, insurmountable obstacle and confrontation with like the constructed human world that we live in. And Mm -hmm. once pieces of it start getting slashed away, it really, really makes you confront what you have control over and what brings you joy. Um, Exactly. There it is. There, there it is. It's what brings you joy. It's what are you going to do today? That's just going to make you happy. Yeah. You're now given permission to do that. Yeah. Um, I've been taking a lot of solace in that idea and it's really like I feel I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is a funny thing to say at the moment, but I feel really good because I've thought about this a lot. Yeah. And I have really taken the time to look at myself mm-hmm. and be like, hang on. Yeah. Why was I stressed? Yeah. Well, and it's I think one of the crazy things is People have introspective, life-changing moments all the yeah. time, right? But individually. 
And exactly right that now we're all doing it. You know, now we're all one. Uh We're all playing Animal Crossing at once. Um, Exactly. We're all playing Animal Crossing at once and we can talk to people about Animal Crossing. Right. You know, metaphorically and actually. Um, Exactly. You know, and and people will get it. Yeah. And I'm, you know, mean that not as a joke. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is interesting. It is interesting that, you know, accidentally Candide has kind of landed on. As right. I, as I've joking, our predictions, our predictions really do. Uh, as, as I've jokingly start to get a bit scared. <laughs> right. Exactly. During during these challenging times, and I don't mean to. Yeah. You know, I'm sure neither of us mean to be flippant about the not at all <laughs> the current not global at all pandemic. because I do take it. I do take it very seriously. Oh yeah. And I think, I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, we've still got that garden to tend to. Right. So let's just get in about it. Let's do it. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. the thing is you're like, well, okay, how are you going to do that? Well, we'll do the best we know. You know, it we is. We do the best we know. It is very apt for all of its craziness. Yeah. Thank you, Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> we'll build a house and chop a wood and make Tommy, we made it oh, <laughs> through our journey. 50, 54 years later or whatever. <laughs> I'm exhausted. It feels like we've traversed an ocean and our boat has sunk. I think I got syphilis, <laughs> but then I got cured of it and then I was stabbed and then I came back to and life. And then a anyway. statue fell on me. Yeah, that was a shame. Yeah, well, yeah. But there's a sheep just beside me, so <laughs> I'm happy. We didn't even talk about the animals. We didn't talk about the sheep. Those damn sheep, they don't make any sense. I always forget I always forget that they're there, and then the sheep show up again. I'm like, oh, yeah, this yeah. damn part. But weirdly again, do you know another show where there's weird sheep? Godspell, just saying. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what's next? I got a quiz question for you. Hit me. It's not a question, but I'm going to say it with an upward inflection, so it sounds like one. Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy Davis Jr. was originally slated to originate this role in its pre-musical incarnation. Who knows if the show would have been such a runaway success if it were more Rat Pack in style? Uh? (laughs) Who knows?
Um, if you want to get in touch with us, the show Twitter is Jim and Tomic, uh, or join us in the Reddit discussion. Links are in the show notes right now in your podcatcher or at jimandtomic.com. Yes, and while you are there, you can check out our Patreon page if you would like to financially support the show. Um, we want to give a big, big love to all of our current patrons um, who, even in these times, are still supporting us. And we love you, we love you. for that. Um, and- but if you want, you can just go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there because... They're great. And most of all, it just helps that you listen, um, you know, tell your friends. Everyone's looking for something to do right now. If you need a good backlog of stuff, we got a huge one. It's a great time to jump in. We've got almost 80 episodes for you, my friend. Look at us. You know, thanks for listening. Be safe out there. Uh, Yep. I hear the ice cream van. Yeah, Jimmy's Jimmy's got new neighbors. He's going to go. Do they throw? How does that even work? Do they throw the ice cream at you? How can you socially distance (laughs) ice cream? I know. Exactly. I think it's a whole illegal affair. I don't approve. (laughs) I don't approve. But hey. Um, So yeah, that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. And cheers. Cheers. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Thank you, Leonard Bernstein. You're welcome. (laughs) He's right behind you, Jimmy. Quick. (laughs) He's not six feet away. (laughs) Run. Excuse me. (laughs) I'm taking this seriously. Thank you.